Hey, what's up, everybody? This is an open discussion with C Three Films. My name is Chris, and this is Cheryl. And today we're going to be talking about the Netflix show Peaky Blinders. We're only going to be talking about the first two episodes of season one. But if you haven't seen those episodes, we will be going into spoiler territory. So now's a good time to go and check that out if you want to before you see this and then come back and see what we have to say about it. But what, without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right into this. So for Peaky Blinders, that was a request, actually. We had not heard of it on our own. And a while ago, I want to say actually sometime, maybe as late as last year, uh, someone in our chat like requested that we watch uh, watch this show because it's pretty good. So I think like right now, Peaky Blinders might be up to three seasons. Um, I might be getting that wrong. But at the very least, we started watching it with in season one and decided to talk about the first two episodes for the purposes of this discussion. And... It has, uh, it stars uh, Cillian Murphy, who we know very well from various Christopher Nolan properties and is just all around a really cool and interesting actor. And it also has Sam Neill, which many of us will remember from the original Jurassic Park film. And I guess, you know, the, the newer one, if you guys have seen that one recently. But yeah, like I, it's a period piece, it takes place in the UK in the 1900s and it's, it deals with like it's after the war and or well i guess the war with france right it sounded like they were fighting in france and then they came home and it just kind of deals with like the fallout and these different like gang slash mob families and how they try to come to power but like let me just go ahead and just ask you cheryl like what were you kind of like feeling going into this it it starts off with, I remember you told me it starts off with, like, the Chinese, like, moment, um, which I thought was also very odd because that doesn't come back at all later. Like, it only right. exists for that, that one moment. So I have a theory, actually, uh, but it was funny because I was at my mom's house this weekend, and so that's when I started watching it. And, um, of course, it starts off with a bunch of Chinese people speaking real Cantonese, by the way. It's real Cantonese. And... Nice. Um, and my mom's like, wait, what is that? I want to watch it. And she made me pause it, literally, because she wanted to, because she was off doing something. And she wanted to watch the show because she thought it was going to be uh, about Chinese people or that, like, Chinese people would have, like, a lot to do with it. And I was like, uh, mom, I really I don't think you. that it's going to be that way. This is probably literally it. And so she was kind of disappointed. But my theory is that... Um, they might come back later because there had been mention of like the Chinese and so I was thinking maybe the Chinese have their own kind of gang that will come back later like maybe in another season or something or maybe later on in this season I don't know because we only watched two episodes um it's not really what they're focused on right now but I feel like they wouldn't have brought it up unless they were going to bring it up again if yeah. not they just did a really racist thing that bothers me <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, fortune telling girls uh no <laughs> but was that historically something that happened i i don't think so i mean the outfits looked right <laughs> okay yeah because i'm not yeah i'm not entirely sure like I think like you, there's a possibility that maybe it might come back because, like I said, they we talk about this. This is how they opened the show, so it 
he makes you feel like it's going to be a part of it. Like if that was the, if it wasn't important in some way, it feels like they could have just started with the girl just coming out and blowing the the sand into the horse and then just go from there. We could have just started on Cillian Murphy, but we didn't. So I'm curious what that will like mean later on in the future. But it's always interesting to watch a new show with the expectation of trying to understand what the show is going to be about. Right. Because you don't we don't have any knowledge going in. We didn't watch any trailers or anything else like that. So when I was watching this first episode, it felt very um, it felt very much kind of like a, here's everybody. Here's here's what you get. You get to know them, these characters, this is what they're doing. But I didn't really feel like I got a real sense of what the show could be about within the first season until we got to the second episode. Uh, see, I I kind of figured out by the f- end of the first episode. That's actually when it started to get interesting to me, um, mm-hmm. because that's when like you're right. They spent a lot of the first episode just putting all the pieces in, and um, they really didn't make any moves until the end of the first episode, where I think you find out that um, that the uh, new bartender she's a spy. For the the coppers that the new guy that just came into town um what else do you find out i'm not i can't remember if you find stuff out in the first episode or the second episode well uh, the one thing i remember is that at the end of the first episode is when he makes a decision to keep the guns and that's a big deal because that's yeah. what they're looking for mm-hmm. and you're and it was i remember thinking to myself well if he does his plan and just gives the guns up then there's no reason for uh campbell to stay here but at the end, uh, Shelby makes the decision that he's going to keep the guns. And that is what's going to, like, lead. And I realized, okay, like, when I was watching the second episode, I realized, okay, this, this whole thing about these guns is going to be the primary conflict that's in the background. Like, I'm sure there's other things that are going to be happening, but in the background, it's all about we have to get these guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty much very... Um mafia kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's all about gangs and the war between the gangs and then you have this copper who uh i think is i know (laughs) is probably gonna try to be a force of nature but it it already seems like he's not quite getting it he might have to learn it quickly throughout the season and i'm sure in the future he's gonna have a much more powerful role after he figures out how all the gangs work but Mm. at this point in time it seems like he doesn't really um you know he has to figure it out and it's it's also a little bit of a tool for us in the sense of we're learning how things work through him and the bartender as well like we're learning what the rules are what the setups are how that bar works which is pretty much kind of their clubhouse or their headquarters almost where they can just go but you know they make the calls and the the owner of the bar just kind of rolls with it because he also benefits from the protection of the Peaky Blinders yeah. So I thought it was a really interesting dynamic, um, especially with the PTSD guy, to show that relationship, like they were in war together, um, and he is the kind of guy that will take care of his friends, Yes. but it co- also comes at a cost, because you have to do, you have to pay him back, you have to respect him, you have to play by his rules, um, so it's, yeah, I mean, typical mafia story, I suppose, 
Mm-hmm. But something that I really liked was I I kind of like the mafia stories where they're I mean and this happens a lot like we've seen it in like Italian type uh, stuff as well but like I like it when the characters are all about their community and giving back to their community and the um, I forget the one lady but kind of like who almost feels like the mom of the family they like how Polly. she's Polly yes how Polly is like tells him when he because the whole point with the horse that we see at the beginning is that they're fixing a race but they're fixing a race against the riches of like the lead uh, member of the family and Tommy doesn't care Tommy just does it anyway and other people don't seem to really get it so I like the fact that they also make Tommy smart and Tommy does this whole thing where he's like hey look if the horse wins twice by the third time they're gonna bet more and then that's when the horse loses and when he that plan works like without a problem, there's no problem with it. It's carried out to perfection. But Polly tells him when he wins, he said she tells him right away, give that money back to the community because the community's got started getting policed and all this other stuff by um, by Campbell when he was coming out because he was trying to like kind of I guess exert a strong show of force. And so the but when Polly said that, Tommy's like, it's already done. Don't worry about it. So this is just standard operating procedure is to give the money back so they didn't actually take the money just for their family which i kind of liked and even when that ptsd guy came in in the first episode and he kind of broke things up and everything the immediately he says um tommy says hey bill the 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 cost of repairs to the peaky blinders so they really are trying to do their best to make sure that even though they are a gang they're trying to make it so that the people that are under them still feel a sense of protection or still feel like they are a part of a community. And it'll be interesting to see if that, how like that relationship between like the protected and the and protectors, like how that like looks on a deeper level. But within the first two episodes, it doesn't seem like anybody is all too upset with the, with their setup. Yeah, I mean, in I guess in a sense, when, when you have a position of power and wealth, if you want to keep that power and wealth, then you have to give back to the community. Otherwise, the community will just want you to get the heck out. So right. it seems like, you know, the correct thing to do. That's what I would do if I was the <laughs> mob boss. Um. <laughs> right? No, I mean, I, I like it a lot. And I think that... It's like and seeing how Tommy inter- interacts with the other family members. That's another cool aspect of it so far is that Tommy disagrees a lot with his older brother, but when push comes to shove, he's got his older brother's back. And I thought it was really interesting how we find out that they have razor blades in their hats. And I was thinking to myself, okay, so is that so that they can reach and grab it out of the hat if they need it? No, they actually just full on swing with the hat and cut you and. When I saw them, because in the first episode, they get into this fight with a couple of, I, I want to say Irish people, um, but I might be misremembering, mis- but I think it's a um, an Irish group that they're trying to do business with to like get get a horse and stuff like that. The, that's the Lee, a, the Lee group. That's the what? The Lee group. The Lee group, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, and they get into a fight with them, and you see them... Like, you see Tommy and his brother, they take off their hats and they start beating them with it. And you see the cuts and everything else like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, these these guys, these guys are dirty. They're they're, they're gangsters. They're they're fighters. Um, but I also like 
the other kind of elements of st subtle storytelling that we're getting where we're, we're at least where we're learning more about Tommy as a character because Tommy seems like somebody that's very much in control but we get we learn right away that he has trouble sleeping and we see him kind of doing drugs like I, I'm assuming it's opium but it might be something else but we see him doing drugs and at least what I'm getting from it is not he's not doing drugs because he's addicted or he's an addict I get the feeling he's doing drugs so that he can actually sleep and the show is showing that he keeps having flashes back to the war and so he and he wakes up in like cold sweat so he has trouble sleeping and in many ways i think the character that had ptsd is kind of representative of what a lot of those characters that fought over in france are going through including tommy himself and i think the show is doing a good job of showing that even though tommy's ptsd isn't being acted on as much as the guy who ended up killing somebody in the middle of the street he still has his own thing his own demons that he's suffering from Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I um I was trying to pay attention to what were in those flashbacks of or mm -hmm. like you know that he was dreaming of. It, it was really hard to see, but I could see um members of the Peaky Blinders. So it almost feels like a like they started the the gang mm -hmm. after the war because of the war that they could only really rely on each other. So um, I definitely think that's a cool dynamic. You know, they don't have to put that there. They put it there for a reason. I, I'm assuming that it'll come up later. Um, but I also kind of liked how he wouldn't shake the hand of um, Campbell because he was yeah. like, I, I wouldn't uh, shake a hand for someone who didn't even fight for, uh, their country. Fight for the country. Yeah. I was yeah. like, ooh, burn. It's a it's a it's a it's a good burn. Yeah. Um He's but no, clever. I do think the P uh I do think the P blinders were around before that though, because uh Polly talks about how she was running things while the boys were away at war. Right, right. And and their parents uh as mm -hmm. well. So um But yeah, I was gonna say one of the scenes that I that I really liked actually was between the the bartender and Tommy when yeah. they were just having a conversation. It was right after he had to kill the white horse. And up until like that point I think I was I was feeling a little bored, I think, because I'm not used to watching stuff with heavy dialogue. It's not it's just a little harder for me to um to absorb things when when they're spoken to me surprising because mm -hmm. you know we're doing a talk show but um <laughs> but it's true it's harder for me to retain information when it's given to me verbally so normally it's harder for me to watch these kind of shows and i'll have to rewind it or watch it again to fully understand the um the full story that was being yeah. written out um but then i started to really appreciate how the things were written, how the dialogue was written, and how interesting they were able to make this conversation between this man and this woman, and they're literally talking about nothing of consequence, but they're showing, they're using this um, conversation, this really well-written dialogue to show the bond and growth between them that they're really starting to kind of get to know and understand each other 
to a degree. And I know that, you know, part of her mission is to deceive him and get information from him. So she's doing her job, but he also doesn't realize it. And, you know, you get kind of nervous because she almost got caught in a lie. Um, but then she was able to just roll with it and because of what he said. So it, the whole scene was just very clever and well-written. And then I really started to appreciate the dialogue from all the previous scenes. Like, you know, actually, a lot of what they have said so far seems pretty well thought out and constructed. Uh, I, like, I like that scene, too, because you could see it's almost like if he didn't say anything, that would have been the end of her mission. But because he is somebody that believes he knows everything, because part of that, that dialogue ha serves two, two, uh, uh, two purposes in that moment. One, it's a purpose of, you know, making us fear for her because he's able to figure out that she's lying about her past. But two, it ties into his own doubts related to, what her, what's her name, Alba um, or Ada? His, uh, I believe it's his sister. His sister. Who, who's like dating the communist guy because he doesn't want her to be with him and she doesn't want him, her to have to raise a kid um, by herself, by, by herself, which is what he believes and that he believes that's going to ruin her life and stuff like that. And so he's, he almost, he's kind of projecting his expectations and fears for how her life will go onto the the bartender that he's talking to at the time which is why he just says oh yeah so you you had a kid or blah 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 and it ruined your life and i and i'm right and all this other stuff but his own insecurities about what's going to happen to someone he cares about allows her to kind of skate by on through her lie because she because he provides her 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 cover story exactly and she just says yeah, I don't want anyone to know about it, so... Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. I was like, yo, girl, good stuff. You hopped on that in a minute. Let the story continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like that scene a lot. And another scene I really liked, which is such a small scene, but when you see him walking with the... Like, where he's riding the white horse through town and the white horse gets scared, and then he tries to talk to the white horse to calm it down, like... I remember seeing that moment and being like, oh, you're somebody that likes animals. Like, you really care about animals. And then later on, we find out in that conversation, he never got used to seeing animals, specifically horses, die in war. But he got used to seeing men die in war. And so the whole reason he's there is because he had to put the horse down. And that, like, legitimately hurts him. So he that's why he went there to drink and stuff. And I like... I like seeing elements like that in our characters, especially this early in a show, because one of the things about doing a television show is that you have more time to allow these characters to develop. So that also means that sometimes you have, you know, episodes where you don't really get to see that much development because you can just kind of sprinkle it in over the course of like however many seasons you're going to have. But I'm, I like that so quickly we're getting to see the flaws or the the weaknesses and the strengths of specifically our main character Tommy and that makes so that makes it that makes him feel more well-rounded to me going into like these later episodes and I already feel like I'm already starting to develop some type of like feelings about him whether they be good or bad yeah and in a show like this where you 
really don't have too complex of a storyline. I know that there's a lot of people and a lot of different things going on, but if you think about it, each person has their own motivation, their own storyline, their own trajectory, and it really, at the end, it's what's going to happen is they're all going to kind of cross over and affect each other and stuff like that. In that sense, it's very complex, but at the beginning, when you're just setting everything up, that's the time where you can really flesh out your characters and then um, I think they, like you said, they did a really good job about doing that. But I do like how everyone has their own goals. Yeah, They're all very different goals, but everyone has their own different established goal, agenda, that they're going to try to achieve. And I think that's the fun thing is because um, that's like, the ultimate source of conflict when everyone has something that they want and then they start colliding. So I actually think it's really quite clever how this was written. Yeah, the writing is like this one of the strongest things about it. And I'll be curious to see the uh, bartender lady um, that we were talking about. They are implying that she has some type of deep trauma. Well, they don't imply it. She actually says that, you know... Um, a group did something like the IRA, I think it was, were responsible for her parents' deaths. And that's why she was thinking that they were the ones with the guns. And that's why, like, Campbell was saying, hey, don't let that kind of, like, cloud your judgment. But she's, like, very much committed to this mission. And I'm wondering if her commitment to the mission is rooted deeper than just what was ha what was done to her family. And if, because... For the Peaky Blinders, they had nothing to do with that, right? They had nothing to do with whatever happened to her family, but she's still wanting to stay committed to this mission um, and seeing it through, regardless of who is actually responsible for taking these guns. I mean, and of course, they find out that he has the guns because he tells them, which, by the way, that's another really great scene because Campbell comes in like a force of nature. Like, we see him torture Tommy's brother, and basically dictate rules for how things are gonna or how things are gonna happen, and then and I remember thinking to myself, okay, so this guy is gonna be like the problem for the Peaky Blinders going throughout the rest of the season. But within, but by episode two, and this it's a great line. He, like um, Tommy says, you don't agree to a parlay when you're on the back foot, and so he's like, I'm not gonna meet up meet with this guy until we until we um, hit back. And so, and he does it by, in a very creative way, in my opinion, by burning, by burning the photos of the, the king, which he knows is going to, like, put pressure on Campbell. And so by the time he meets with Campbell, Campbell's already kind of, like, in his position of more desperation because of how Winston Churchill was talking to him. And so when Tommy's sitting there and telling him, hey, this is what's gonna go, how this is going to go down. You're going to give me this, this, that, and the other, and you're going to leave me alone with this and blah, 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 and then eventually I'll give you your guns because if you don't follow what I'm going to say, they're going to end up in Ireland. All those people are going to, like, you know, all your work there is going go to go to crap, and then you are going to lose your job and never work again. And so I was just like, yo, this is brilliant because he's not only attacking him personally, he's also attacking, like, the country. And, and it's like, and the progression. So it's like a bunch of other people are gonna get hurt by the decision that you make. It's not just as simple as you losing your job. And so now Campbell is trapped and which is why he was forced to send um, that girl in as another 
kind of backup plan to find out where these guns are hidden so that he could try to get out from under Tommy's thumb. But within two episodes, he's already under Tommy's thumb, even though he came in talking about how all these other police officers weren't worth anything because they took bribes. And I love that. Right. But he's this close to being under her thumb. So yes, (laughs) right. And that's the dynamics, right? It's really interesting. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I I do kind of feel like Tommy is his own worst enemy, and he's really, like, pushing it, and everyone's kind of like, you're crazy for, you know, taking it this far, you're, like, stomping over, um, what's his name, Billy Kemper or something like that, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, like, fixing the horse races without his permission, and he comes in with uh with a threat but then somehow tommy has this like really good offer um by you know saying like let's gang up on the leads together we could do it together but not without each other and such so i'm just like man this is gonna be the whole show he's just gonna be getting into trouble and really finding a way to get out of it with his own wit so um that's not really my kind of show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mobster movies, not really my kind of show. This was really interesting, but I don't think I'll keep watching it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Um, it definitely has a style and something that is. If you're if you're on if you're for it, you're gonna be really for it. But if you're not like so for it, then maybe it might you know, it might like you might want to jump off of it. But I definitely still. I think we both can agree that the show is very well done. And I also like that in the end, because like Tommy is also shown as like a character that is always strong. But in that scene that you're talking about, he still comes off as strong as smart, but he's still forced to bend the knee when he has to build and bend down and, and pick up the money. And the guy is like, it's a show of force or a show of power. The guy is like waiting to see what he's going to do. And you can see that Tommy doesn't want to bend down and take it, but he has to in this moment because it's not time to try and like take this guy mm-hmm. down yet so yeah i mean i also i'm like you i don't know like i'm i'm interested in this show i'm more interested after the last episode but i don't know when i'll get back to it it's not necessarily something i felt like i it was kind of when we when we talked about um pennyworth like i feel like there it had good things going for it and definitely i think it's an interesting show but there wasn't anything within the first couple of episodes that made me feel like I have to go back and watch this right now and binge it and finish it in like, you know, a day or two. So I definitely think it's solid. It's probably one of those shows that also picks up like over time. So I could see myself like maybe watching it eventually. But as of right this moment, I don't think that I will like I'll also like go back to it right away to finish it. I do have to say that the uh, the music choice was interesting like sometimes it would feel like it's it fits correctly and i don't notice it but other times um including the uh the the theme song i'm just like why what's with this rock music it just kind of doesn't feel like it fits with the time period so um it it didn't really bother me it just kind of caught me off guard and it didn't it doesn't really quite feel like it fits but at the same time it works i don't know how you feel about the music <laughs> i i had a similar like the music threw me off when i heard it and i remember 
I had forgotten until you brought it up, but I remember in a specific moment, I thought to myself, like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I remember thinking about, like, other shows that, like, had modern music in it, like in a period piece, like The Great Gatsby or Bridgerton, like, came to my mind. And I remember I was like, I thought to myself, okay, well, I didn't get upset about how the, the modern day songs were used in those um, in those mediums, um, because one's a movie and one's a show. But I don't, I just remember like being a little taken aback by it in Peaky Blinders, but wanting to stay open because I've seen it done in other things as well. And so that's kind of where I landed on it, which is why I actually forgot about it because I was like, it, 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 it stood out to me, but not so much that I was just like, oh, I think this is terrible. It feels okay, a little wrong, but not that wrong, yet <laughs> acceptable, so I just roll with it. But it it stands out to me in not the way that I think it, that was they intended it. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, I do also, I, I did write this down because I kind of, I was a little annoyed that the one brown guy that was in it was Jamaican, and... I feel like they only used him for a place marker to be like, this is where we are, and now we're back because we're seeing him <laughs> again. So I was a little annoyed with that, and then we like never see him again. Um, but <laughs> other than that, just take a moment to read that in. Um, they had really good production value. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's really good. Piece. It looks great. Like... <laughs> All the like period pieces, man. I would. I don't want to make one myself, cause they're like. I feel like those are expensive, but this, yeah, it looks good. It's filmed well. Um, I think there's a couple of things that are green screen, but I think that overall, like everything blends pretty well. So, yeah, like the city and all that stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it looks good. I really felt like I was in the world until they started playing music. <laughs> Oh god. Um, all right. So that's all I have to say. I'm not, I overall I I I did enjoy it. I didn't initially enjoy it. Um like you said it's a lot like Pennyware. There's nothing really grabbing me too hard to be like come back and watch it. I have to watch more. Um I don't think I would really tell anyone that they need to go and see this either. Mm. Um, but I at least based on the first two episodes, like because yeah. things can change. Obviously, I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. on. It wasn't that good. <laughs> right? No, exactly. It's obviously good. It's got strong writing, strong production value, but just with the way that the first two episodes played out for you, it's like something that it's interesting, but not something that you feel like you have to go back and watch. So pretty much, yeah. that makes sense, and yeah. Like, I understand completely, but that's what we thought about it. That's what we thought about Peaky Blinders. So if you guys want to hear us talk about this and other things, you can check us out on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash c3films. It'd be great to see you over there. But what did you guys think about Peaky Blinders? Have you seen all the seasons? Are you up to date? Does the show kind of, like, pick up even more so than, like, it is in the first two episodes? What have you thought about it? Comment below. Let us know. And right down there, if you give us a like, share, subscribe. Even if you don't, though, I have been Chris, and this has been... Cheryl, and we'll see you all next time.